0: Greetings from upstate New York. Thank you for tuning in the Pastor Duke broadcast. We're going to go back to the time of Jesus, put ourselves into the story, and let the truth set us free. I call this podcast The Cup. You'll see what I'm talking about in a few moments. This past week has been a whirlwind. We tried to talk Jesus out of coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. It's common knowledge that our high priest Caiaphas despises Jesus. Everyone knew evil was lurking in the back rooms of both Jewish leadership and Roman authorities. Pilate was nervous as he feared this young prophet from Nazareth. Half of all the Jews were convinced he might be their long-awaited Messiah to rid them of Roman tyranny once and for all. The religious elites were all uniting forces against Jesus. The Pharisees hated him because he refused to follow their man-made rules. He called them out as the true arrogant hypocrites that they were. The Sadducees hated him for exposing their false teachings and their hypocrisies as well. The Zealots hated him for not using his amazing miraculous powers to overthrow the Roman occupation. The Herodians hated him because he wouldn't suck up to Roman rule and he held to all the Jewish customs. The Eshians hated him for not joining their little Communes of separatism out into the Judean wilderness. But the commoners loved him. Many of them would take a spear in their side for Jesus. They saw and many experienced his miracles. We tried to keep Jesus out of Jerusalem this week, it was far too dangerous. But Jesus just smiled and said, we're going to keep the Passover, boys. You see, Jesus was not fear-driven. But we were. We had hoped for a quiet entrance into the holy city, but no, word was out. And the crowds were there waiting, over half a million strong, lining the street descending from the Mount of Olives, waiting for his arrival. It was mayhem. A thousand Roman soldiers were mingled in. Another legion of Roman guards waiting at the eastern gate, guarding the Temple Mount. The crowds were in full defiance of Rome, yet still peaceful. They cried out in chants as Jesus descended the Mount of Olives, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David. They had done their biblical homework. They had connected the sacred genealogical dots. This young prophet, only 33 years of age, was genealogically the rightful heir to the throne of David. <laughs> if there was such a throne, if the Jews had not fallen to Babylon and Babylon had not fallen to Persia and Persia had not fallen to the Greeks and the Greeks had not fallen to Romans, this Jesus would be their king. They were dialed in and they were passionate on that part of the teaching. And mixed in were the Jesus Jewish religious antagonist. They hated him. It was intense. Jesus entered the city, st- went straight to the temple, overthrew the money changers as he had done before. We weren't surprised, but it sure wasn't a politically correct thing to do with tensions so high. But no riots ensued, and the Passover week went almost uh, like normal. Jesus was front and center daily in the temple, teaching, healing, and uh, we loved it, reprimanding the religious hypocrites. But there was one thing he said that week when the Pharisees were challenging him that really struck a chord against him to the masses. When Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's unto God the things that are God's, whoosh, wind went right out of the sails of a lot of his formerly adoring crowd. They expected him to overthrow Rome, and it was now evident that he was not in town to lead an insurrection He wasn't going to use his miraculous powers for some kind of political uh, coup. Days before, when they had cried upon Jesus' entry into the city, Hosanna to the son of David, will you see that name, that word Hosanna means save us now. Grammatically it's in the imperative mood. They were commanding Jesus to do something, save us now. They were completely on a political deliverance page, which Jesus was obviously not. Many of his supporters jumped ship on that one phrase, render unto Caesar. They didn't like that at all. If you're not going to kick Roman butt, we want none of you. You're not our guy and many of them turned from him. Well, as the week continued, we were wore out under the tension of it all. All the rumors, all the windows being made made us nervous. We were so ready for the Passover Seder. Get it over with. Get it behind us. Get out of town. Then Jesus throws us two more curveballs. One of you will betray me, he said, but he wouldn't say who it was. This created more doubts in our hearts and unwanted suspicion among us. Then the big curveball. In the Seder, when he took the bread, which we had seen every year of our lives, he took the bread and said this, this is my body. And then when he took the cup, he said, this is my blood. What was he talking about? been to the Seder every year of my life, no one had ever spoke like that, but we were so tired, no one even asked, but it was nothing that we had ever heard before, made us think what in the world is going on, we've never seen this in the Passover, but it's as though he had a twinkle in his eye when he said it, take eat, this is my body. This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. We didn't know what he meant, but we were too tired to ask questions and hear more teaching. So we sang a hymn and went out to the Garden of Gethsemane to spend the night. What a beautiful place it was. Jesus called Peter, James, and I off to the side as the others went to sleep. He wanted us to pray with him which we sort of failed. We were so tired we fell asleep, but he didn't. He continued to pray. I don't know how long it was, but we were soon woken by Jesus' prayer. He was in agony, sweating drops of blood running down his face in the flickering light of the one torch still lit. We heard him agonizing with his father. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We didn't see any cup, but he held one up that we couldn't see. It was real to him. What cup? Are you talking about the cup of the Passover? We just had it to Seder. He prayed it three times. It was scary just to watch him. He was in agony. Then our world completely fell apart. Our worst nightmare. Jesus was right. One of you will betray me. Turns out it was Judas. Now bringing in the Jewish hit squad to arrest Jesus. We didn't know what to do. Should we stay and fight? Should we run and try to escape? Pure panic on our part. But as we looked at Jesus, perfectly calm. Peter chose to fight. (laughs) No surprise there. Whopped off a soldier's ear. It's absolute craziness for a few seconds. Then Jesus, completely calm and collected, spoke. A gentle rebuke to Peter. Put up your sword. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Jesus leans down, picks up the ear, and heals the dude on the spot kind of loving his enemies like he taught us to do. Then he said this, the cup that my father has given me, shall I not drink it? He's back on this cup thing again. He holds up a cup that none of us could see, but it's obviously very real to him. Everything will be all right, he says calmly. I'll drink of the cup that my father has given me. We had no clue what he was talking about. Then the band of temple guards that Judas brought to arrest Jesus, they all fall back as dead men. It was surreal. When they all dropped, we had supposed it's maybe another miracle Jesus is doing to deliver himself and us to get out of town safely. But no, Jesus raises them all back up and submits to arrest. They lead him back into the city. We didn't know what to do. We were divided. Nine of us chose to flee. Peter and I followed afar off. We were so scared. Will they arrest us also? By this time, we didn't even care. I want to be as close to Jesus as I possibly can. I was with him in good times. I'll be with him in bad. What a frightening night it was. It kept going over and over through my mind all night. What the heck was he talking about? The cup thing. Let this cup pass from me. It'll be okay. I'll drink of the cup. It was blowing my mind. What was he talking about? The cup, the cup, the cup. Well, many of you who follow Jesus all these years down the road, you know the story as it unfolded, that horrific yet awesome night. A series of illegal Kandaroo courts. Pilate tries to free Jesus, but the crowd had been primed by Caiaphas's team to cry out, crucify him, release unto us Barabbas, who was a murderer. Which they did, crucify Jesus, after the mockery and merciless torture. My hero was dead. The three most horrific days of my life ensued we were too scared to try to leave town over and over and over in my mind don't be scared i'll drink the cup made no sense to me made no sense until until the morning of the third day guess what he rose he rose from the dead Then we all remembered how he told us the whole story a dozen times along the way. I'll be arrested, cha-ching, turn over to the Romans. Yep, I'll suffer, bleed, die, and rise again. Yep, but in the face of all the drama, those sacred words just left us. The wind was gone from our sails. But when he arose, those words came back. Our fear was transformed to faith, into strength, and into boldness. Then those crazy words, this cup thing, (laughs) it all came together. Now I know exactly what Jesus meant about this cup. He was talking about drinking the cup of the wrath of God against the sins of the world. He was talking about one sacrifice himself once for all to pay for every sin ever committed from Adam and Eve all the way through history to even me. My sins were in that cup. Your sins were in that cup. There was some real tough stuff in that cup. We all put stuff in that most sacred and yet horrific cup. Adam and Eve put rebellion in the cup. Cain put murder in the cup. David put adultery and murder in the cup. Amnon put incest in the cup. Sodom put homosexuality in the cup. Judas put betrayal in the cup. Peter put denial in the cup. We've all put horrible things into this cup. Every lie, every theft, every violent act, every murder, every act of fornication, adultery, every act of pedophilia, every act of idolatry, every curse word, all political fraud, every bribe, all in that Sacred cup. Thank God. Thank God Jesus drank the cup. That's why He said, everything will be fine. I'm going to drink the cup. Oh, the pain of that drink. Oh, the horrific filth in that cup. But God's love was greater than all man's sin. He knew exactly what he was doing. They weren't taking his life. It was not weakness. He was laying his life down. It was love. Thank you, Apostle John, for your part in the greatest story ever told. I think of that great Christian hymn, Must Jesus Bear the Cross Alone and All the World Go Free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. Can I connect this story and the song for a moment? Let's change the words of the song just a little bit. Must Jesus drink the cup alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cup for everyone, and there's a cup for me. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 20, verse 23, Jesus said this, even before he drank the cup, but he knew he was going to. He said, Ye shall indeed drink of my cup. He's not talking about us paying the price for sin. That's his job. Or suffer God's wrath sin that's why he came to deliver us from the wrath of God against our sin that we could be forgiven but what he is saying is this we too will have some cups of suffering we all have a cup to drink as we walk closely with Jesus every time I read this verse I think of our beloved associate pastor here at Temple, uh, now Newtown Church, Pastor George Wueruskala, who suffered immensely from advanced diabetes. He had two kidney transplants, lost fingers, lost toes, lost his feet. He used to uh, dress as a beggar in some of our uh, dramatic productions. He'd wear a fake leg and uh, tell the children he was going to heaven on the installment plan. What an awesome man of God Pastor George was among us. I went up to visit him. Towards the time of his end, he was in agony. I went in to see George in his suffering. Sadness was all over me. Pity was just reigning in my mind. Felt so bad for this brother I love so much. And he saw it on my face and he smiled in his agony. He smiled and he kind of gently rebuked me. He said, don't come down here, Pastor Duke, to have pity on me. He said, I don't need pity, I need praise. I I need to to be brought up and encouraged. Don't you dare have pity on me. And I said, yes, sir. I left his room, walked about one foot outside of the door. I turned around, I got on my knees, I asked God to forgive me. I stood up, (laughs) went back into the room. Hey, George, what's up, buddy? What's happening? (laughs) And I'll never forget the gracious words that came from his mouth. He said, this is the cup that my father gave me a cup of suffering. The Lord is with me in my sufferings. When I am suffering, I always compare myself to the suffering Jesus went through in the night of his betrayal, the torture, the physical suffering, the, the mockery, the abuse. He said, I think of his suffering. And then when the father turned his back, Upon Jesus, when he took my sins and yours and the sins of the world, he was separated from the Father. He goes, I've never been separated from the Father. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He said, it might not make a lot of sense to people. He goes, but when I am suffering the most, I feel the closest to Jesus. And He said, I counted a privilege to suffer for his namesake. He said, as I suffer, I pray for those who watch me suffer. I know they would alleviate my suffering if they could medically. I know you came down here to be a blessing to me, Pastor Duke, and you are. He said, but God has given me the cup of suffering, and I'll drink it. It's the greatest opportunity I have to show my love for Jesus. Amen and amen. Pastor George, can't wait to see you on the other side. You know, church, We're living in what I believe with all my heart. The last days, the birth pains have begun. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know, many want Jesus for an emotional crutch or holiday buzz, but there is so much more to a sold-out life to Jesus. It seems to me a season of suffering is upon Christ's church. The early church suffered immensely. Where in the scripture would we find that would make us think that we'll sail through uh, still waters in the time of the end when Satan is uh, advancing his cause, setting up for his world government, his new world order, the Antichrist? Why would the church think it's going to be easy for us? I'm not uh, cavalier about this. I would choose not to be a martyr if if God let me choose that. But, you know, that's a topic that came up in our seniors class here just a couple weeks ago, martyrdom. I've never had that topic ever come up before in any Bible study, any sermon, any conference I've ever been in. But people are beginning to think that with these uh, government mandates, the mandated uh, vaccines and the draconian uh, mandates put upon uh, the nation of Australia, Canada, and I'm afraid coming soon to America, uh, just the government control of everything. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And so I don't know what's going to lay ahead for the church of Jesus, I know we're in troubled waters. I think it's going to get worse and not better. I hope I'm wrong. But the prophecies talk about a falling away in the time of the end. But you know, Jesus took and drank the cup. And as he said to them that night when everything seemed to be wrong, Uh, The enemy was entrenched in Romanism. It was entrenched in Judaism. And it looked like Jesus was all alone. He said, it's going to be cool. Everything's going to be all right. I'll drink the cup. And he did. And he did. He did. He did. He died because of that cup and what he drank. The wrath of God came on him. So it would never have to come upon us. Everything's going to be okay. Jesus drink the cup and I believe there's a cup for all of us and instead of thinking about how difficult it might be and how evil the world is around us I think we should be armed with the mind of Christ armed with the heart of Pastor George whatever comes down the pike for us it's our honor to drink of this cup and as we drink of this bitter cup our eyes are firmly on Jesus our hands are on the plow. We commit ourselves to Him who judges righteously. You know, our prayer, my prayer, is that Jesus would come before things get too tough. Take us home to the Father's house. He will, and when He comes, His timing will be perfect. But today, I'm tuning all that out for a little while. All the things I hear on the news, I'm just, I'm just uh, in Gethsemane with the twelve. Well, Judas, uh, a betrayer, but I'm listening to the words of Jesus. When he should have been freaking out, he was completely composed, command of the situation, knew exactly what he was going to do. And he said to them, as I know, he would say to us, everything's going to be okay. I'll drink the cup. Thank God he did. And he's coming back. Take us to the father's house. I'm so ready for that. So thank you for tuning in. I just hit the wrong button (laughs) on my podcast machine. (laughs) I wasn't applauding my message, but I certainly am applauding. Here we go again. How about this applause for Jesus drinking the cup? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hey, please share this with your friends. Like it. Let me know what's going on. It's my honor to bring the Word of God to you. Please help me to get it out to others. love you. Bye-bye for now.